Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Acts chapter 10 from the World English Bible. Now there was a certain man in Caesarea, Cornelius by name, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his house, who gave gifts for the needy generously to the people, and always prayed to God. At about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. He, fastening his eyes on him and being frightened, said, What is it, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and your gifts to the needy have gone up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and get Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of those who waited on him continually. Having explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now on the next day, as they were on their journey and got close to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray at about noon. He became hungry and desired to eat, but while they were preparing, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and a certain container descending to him like a great sheet let down by four corners on the earth, in which were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild animals, reptiles, and birds of the sky. A voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. A voice came to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call unclean. This was done three times, and immediately the vessel was received up into heaven. Now while Peter was very perplexed in himself what the vision which he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek you, but arise, get down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. Why have you come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous man, and one who fears God, and well spoken of by all the nation of the Jews, was directed by a holy angel to invite you to his house and to listen to what you say. So he called them in and provided a place to stay. On the next day, Peter arose and went out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. On the next day, they entered into Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting for them, having called together his relatives and his near friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter raised him up, saying, 
Stand up. I myself am also a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many gathered together. He said to them, You yourselves know how it is an unlawful thing for a man who is a Jew to join himself or come to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I shouldn't call any man unholy or unclean. Therefore, I also came without complaint when I was sent for. I ask, therefore, why did you send for me? Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer is heard, and your gifts to the needy are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and summon Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying in the house of a tanner named Simon by the seaside. When he comes, he will speak to you. Therefore I sent to you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now therefore we are all here present in the sight of God, to hear all things that have been commanded you by God. Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I perceive that God doesn't show favoritism, but in every nation he who fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him. The word which he sent to the children of Israel, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached. Even Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they also killed, hanging him on a tree. God raised him up the third day and gave him to be revealed, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen before by God, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that this is he who is appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that through his name everyone who believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. They of the circumcision who believed were amazed, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was also poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in other languages and magnifying God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just like us. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay some days. That is the end of chapter 10. In Acts chapter 8 verse 40, we read that Philip preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. In light of events here in chapter 10, it seems the preaching was only to Jews. And if Philip had still been or was still there, then why send Peter in particular? This gives more reason to think that Philip was one of the list in Acts 7 verse 5, and it seems God wanted to make the connection with the Gentiles through Peter, a leader among the twelve who walked personally with Jesus, to give a very clear message. Remember, this is the foundation of the Ecclesia of Jesus Christ. 
Also, don't get confused by the mention of Cornelius giving to the poor. This was simply evidence that he feared and was devoted to God. Cornelius was already sincerely seeking God. That is why he is considered righteous in verse 22. He was a man with faith in God, yet an incomplete understanding of the mystery of salvation, much as Abraham and many of the Old Testament men of faith were. But now the mystery is to be revealed to him in a timely manner. Here is the timeline. Verse 3, we have day 1. Cornelius is praying as usual. Around 3 p.m., an angel appears to him in a vision. Notice the angel does not tell him the gospel. That is supposed to come from a human, it seems. We see this as the way things are done throughout the scriptures. Then after the vision, Cornelius explains things to two household servants and a devout soldier. Verse 9, we have day 2, the three God-fearing men, as they are described in verse 2, all of Cornelius' household. These three men set off to Joppa to look for Simon Peter. If you look on page 47 of the American Bible Society Atlas, you will see that Joppa is around 40 miles south of Caesarea, and both are on the coast. When we were discussing this in fellowship yesterday, someone said that if you look on a current map, that Tel Aviv is where Joppa was in those days. So still on day two, while these men are just about to arrive, God provides Peter with a waking dream, as that would be the idea of a trance. And the message that he gets in this trance is repeated three times to emphasize and verify. In verse 23, we have day three. They all left including Peter, to return to Caesarea. And this trip seems to take a bit longer because in verse 24, we have day four, and the following day they entered Caesarea. So it is in verse 30 where Cornelius specifically mentions that it was four days ago that he had the vision. Thus, it seems that the servants and soldiers by themselves made the 40 miles in one day, but the return trip was an unspecified amount more than one day. But it was on the second day of the journey, sometime before three o'clock, that they did arrive in Caesarea. It doesn't say how they got there, whether they walked or whether they rode animals or had carts or even if they took a boat. But we can do a little bit of math and know that if they were even doing a jog of four miles per hour, it would have taken them 10 hours So at the more comfortable and sustainable pace of two miles per hour, it would have taken them 20 hours. That is, if they were confined to just walking. But again, we don't know. From verse 6, you might not think that uh, Cornelius was given very specific directions, but recall what was explained about Tanner's when this was mentioned at the end of Acts 9, verse 43. So there probably would have been quite a smell, and it was a very distinct address, actually. But after having the vision, we see in verse 7 that Cornelius again proves his devoutness, and he takes immediate action. While we know that Paul says to pray without ceasing, so that would indicate Um, an ongoing kind of conversation with God throughout what we're doing during the day, these two men were also following the example of Jesus of having very specific times of prayer. So while the passage is not teaching us that we have to go up on housetops to pray, it is giving us an example of specific times away from the hustle and bustle to devote ourselves to prayer. 
In verse 10, it is important to recognize that Peter was not attempting a trance any more than Cornelius was attempting to have a vision. They were given these experiences of communication because they were seeking God, not because they were seeking the experience. And they were specific. These messages were very specific to the message of the gospel giving Peter directions to go see someone that apparently Peter would not have otherwise spoken to. So one of the points that I'm trying to make here is this trance is not like the transcendental meditation and all of that that is invoked by Eastern religions or even by psychology. In neither case was there a lack of self-control for Cornelius or Peter, and Peter obviously was completely capable of making decisions and communicating. He had complete cognitive volition. Nothing about his own person was subverted, like we see with demon possession in the many examples in the Bible and also current examples of these trances and hypnotism and stuff where they take over where someone... um, subjects their mind to someone else's control. I'm going to put a link on the website to a discussion of this on the bereancall.org. And one last comment about the trance and the vision is that these are similar to what we hear expressed by Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, and John. When we come to verse 14, note that it is in Leviticus 11, Leviticus 20:25 and Deuteronomy 14 verses 3 through 21 where many foods are forbidden to the Jewish nation. These do not fall into the moral category of the law. The moral category of the law is confirmed as still very important in the New Testament. Rather, these things about food prohibitions are something that Paul also says don't get overly concerned about in places like 1 Corinthians 10.25, 1 Timothy 4.4, and Titus 1.15. And when you recall that Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and he is teaching that these things are not important anymore, that you know that the gospel is transformationally true. Then there's also the question about, was it reasonable for Peter to question this vision? The things that he was saying were clearly in the law, but he still just doesn't quite understand that Jesus died for all and what the differences are here. But we can surmise from the way that he has responded to that he doesn't get in trouble. He is not reprimanded like, oh, you idiot, but he is patiently taught. With verse 19, Peter's instructions get more focused, and we hear that the Holy Spirit said to him to be ready for these men to come especially when juxtaposed next to his experience with the trance and the communication there, it seems that the Holy Spirit saying this to him was more than just a sense or a feeling. It was a very clear communication. So not like many Christians uh, carelessly use this phrase. Then in verses 25 through 26, we see Cornelius, who is a devout man of God, mistakenly trying to worship Peter. And Peter, much like Paul and Barnabas in Acts 14, 14, turns down the opportunity to be worshiped. If you ever have a pastor or a leader who accepts adoration, I would run the other direction. And I particularly refer you to 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 4 and Revelations 13, 14 that talk about how the Antichrist will set himself up as God to be worshipped like that. 
we are not supposed to have anyone in the place of God, in the place of Christ for us. That is actually one of the meanings of Antichrist, and one of the reasons why the term the vicar of Christ for the Pope is so darkly ironic, because he is setting himself up in place of Christ. The vicar is simply the Latin version of anti. In verse 28, we see that Peter is still concerned about and saying that, don't they remember that it's unlawful for Jews to do this? But he's doing it because God has shown him something specific. It is interesting to note that Jesus did set a precedent. Recall in John 4, 7, where he himself talks to a Samaritan woman at the well, and the disciples were astonished at this. And he also gives the parable of the Samaritan neighbor of someone who was more godly than the Jewish people in this story, in this parable for the priest and the lawyer, both passed by the man who had been beaten and didn't want to be bothered with it. So again, Jesus has set a precedent for showing that Jews do not have a monopoly on following God or being blessed by God, but Peter still doesn't seem to have quite grasped this, which is also indicated by the fact that Peter asks twice, both in verse 21 and verse 29, why did they send for him? What, what did they want to hear from him? He doesn't automatically start preaching the gospel to them like he did in other places. But we will see in chapter 11 and chapter 15 in Acts here that Peter does come to fully understand this and will set the precedent for the Ecclesia, the Church of Jesus Christ. I had to smile at how Cornelius ended his explanation. So in verse 33, he says, It was good of you to come, and here we all are, ready to hear what you are supposed to tell us. This answer also helps to explain the fact that Peter never had time, never had opportunity to get around to this call to repentance that we heard him when he's speaking, heard him say when he's speaking to the Jews. These Gentiles' hearts were all so ready, they were poised for repentance, so that just hearing the gospel, they immediately accepted. There was no call, no need to pray for anything. Recall that even Paul, as he recounts his um, events in Acts 22, I think it was, he says that Ananias said to him, well, what are you waiting for? These people didn't need that. They didn't need any prompting This reminds me of verses where God talks about, even starting in the Old Testament, about the circumcision of the heart that was supposed to be a metaphor for having a soft heart. We see this in Deuteronomy 10, verses 12 through 16, and then also in Jeremiah 4, 4 and 9, 26. And Paul himself mentions it in Romans 2, 28 and Philippians 3, 3. So in verse 34, Finally, Peter understands. In verse 36, he says that Jesus is Lord of all. And so Peter tells them things that explain things that, according to verse 37, they already knew had happened. They knew of the events, but they didn't yet understand them because it was proclaimed throughout all Judea. It was common news of the day. In verse 39, Peter makes the point that we are witnesses. And I think it's good to note that he doesn't claim anything as a single witness here. He puts himself in the category of the 12 and possibly of the 500 who then were chosen to see Jesus alive, as it mentions in verse 41 here. 
In verse 42, Peter says Jesus will judge the living and the dead. That means there will be things to judge. Then in verse 44, here comes the Holy Spirit made apparent by speaking in other languages. And so, in verse 47, by administering water baptism to them, the Gentiles, Cornelius and his household, are received into fellowship as believers in the name of Jesus Christ. So although Paul will be the main apostle to the Gentiles, Peter is the one that God chooses here to be the initial link between them to make it very clear that Jesus, has, Jesus Christ has come to draw all men unto him, as is recorded in John 12, 32. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 